the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm just well, gonna throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. We were debating whether to whip this guy's ass or not. Hello, everyone. Brandon here alongside my co-host, Ed. Ed, how you doing? I'm good. I'm trying to crack open this beer, but I don't have a real can opener. <laughs> mm -hmm. hey, um, whatever it takes. Yeah, I don't. Whatever. I guess I'm not drinking. <laughs> right on. So there it goes. Did anybody hear that? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to. I posted earlier on. Hold on. Hmm. Today we're drinking a porter, robust porter from Comstock, Michigan. Anyway, so uh, earlier I posted a video on Facebook, as I do randomly, but I actually want to address it like I'm tired of buying stuff from Marketplace, you know, like I'm a gearhead, and I'm sure a lot of musicians are, but we just get sick of like dealing with flaky ass people, and that drives me nuts, like, is this available? You know, everybody has a story, so like, also, like, I guess if anybody comes on this podcast and wants to talk about things that can rant i want to hear your stories about terrible gear musician transactions because that in itself is just a can of worms you know a whole another batch of problems that people give you <laughs> that frustrate you anyway tonight uh this episode we're going to be joined by someone named steve and i'm not real familiar with the band he's in but i'm pretty sure ed does know a little bit about him yeah I know but Steve. But if anyone out there listening would like to be a guest on this show and talk about some of the stuff that you've had to deal with, send us an email. You can send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com. We can get you scheduled for an interview. But we're going to go ahead on and invite Steve into this conversation. So we'll be back with you here in a second. We're back and we're joined by our guest, Steve. Steve, thanks for coming out tonight and talking with Ed and I. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What's up, Steve? What's up, man? <laughs> haven't, haven't seen you in a while. Ha ha ha. <laughs> like four days, I would think. Yeah, Some, yeah something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know each other from different bands. Uh yeah. Yeah, a couple different ones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've seen yeah. them around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ed, Ed was one of those rare people that uh you're friends with them on Facebook and they actually talk to you in real life. Like I was, you know. There's been very few of those and, you know, I you know what, that's a good lesson right there. Like, why do you add people that you don't interact with? And it's, I mean, I guess some people have social anxiety or something. What happened? My bad. I clicked the wrong button. Oh my God. What part <laughs> did you get? Anyway, <laughs> I guess I'll continue where I started. Um, that's a lesson in itself, you know, like adding these people and then never interacting with them. It's very strange. Like I'm going to be your stalker but you know about me yeah and then like obviously you'll see a lot of these same people at shows 
And you'll be like, yeah, I know that guy. That guy's friends and we're friends on Facebook. Then, but then you don't fucking talk to him. Like I remember uh, specifically like you and Larry was like one other guy that was like kind of knew of each other. And then we friended each other on Facebook, but then I'd see you guys out and like, we would always make, you know, efforts to, to speak to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't understand the weird awkwardness about that whole, I'm going to add you and then never talk to you again. I, I don't know. That's strange to me. Right. Right. Yeah. I got added by like 10 or 15 people since I started posting about this. And I was like, I don't know these people. So I'm not the type that just accepts friend requests from people all over, not just around here, but like there were some people, Oregon, Colorado, whatever. Oh. even with my other podcasts, the people that I've interviewed, they send me friend requests and I'm always hesitant to accept them because I'm like, well, well yeah. I, I don't, I don't really know you. <laughs> so if I had, I need to set up a different account or something just strictly for podcasting. That way I can talk to people. And they don't sell my personal business on my other stuff, which I try not to post a whole lot of two personal just, business. Just use Instagram. That's pretty much worthless. Just pictures of your taint and, yeah you know i don't i don't even use instagram i have one from like five or six years ago and i couldn't tell you the last time i posted anything to it well that just gave you a good idea to put what yeah. for, to put on there so uh, no, one need, no, one need, no one needs to see the taint it, it's tainted uh, right Sing. yeah so i guess what's your what do you want to rant about steve what's as long as you, how long you've been playing, basically, like as far as playing out, not like you know since you started a kid. I'm talking about like out mu your music career when you started playing. How many years have you been doing this? Um, I'd rather not say in total, but <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to get into that. A while. No, no, I don't. I don't give a fuck, man. I'm, oh. I'm old. <laughs> it is what it is. But like, I remember. I think like my first. Uh, what do you want to say? Professional gig. I think it was 15. I played like a battle of bands and for like 300 people. And then it went downhill from there. But, uh, Sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you've had a lot of experience under belt. So this is basically primarily about what is the shittiest things that's that happened in your whole, you know, and all your, you know what I mean? Like the whole list of things. Right. Of, yeah. And I, and, and I do have a list, but I'll, I'll say this first and foremost, because I, I was known as this guy for the longest the longest time as, you know, the guy that used to bitch about cover bands. And I'm sure you've kind of um, been in this boat before, but I like yeah. way back when, when I, when I first started out, there was really no original scene. So, you know, the cover bands always getting all the, um, good paying gigs for obvious reasons now like i've i've kind of um let that go shall we say and i yeah. and i get it i mean from a business standpoint and from a bar owner standpoint as far as like yeah you know people want to come here with their spoon fed on the radio and drink and dance and whatnot so yeah. but yeah i mean that was a source of contention very early on and up until probably eh, 10 years ago just you know in this area uh, and I, I'm sure across the board, but um, I don't know if that was anything that was like an an irritant to you, but yeah, there was... I can no, I can relate just because like I feel like we went backwards because we had you know a fresh scene, and then like 
now it's like dying again. So it's very strange how it's become full circle once more. And well, and it's a lot of like the, a lot of guys I talk to is the, the venues are kind of dying out, but I like the show we just recently played together this last Saturday gives me a little bit of hope. Cause I, I didn't know what to expect from that venue and that one, that's a good yeah. venue, you know? Yeah. That's a little the rest of them that are dying out. Yeah. Least. I was, yeah, I was a little annoyed with my other bandmate, but not giving you more details. Cause I felt like, cause Larry was asking me about the stuff. I'm like, I, I'm, John's played here before. I don't know why he didn't tell you like, what's expected but whatever communication is the key here yeah. well, it, was me, it was it was me and john so i probably didn't ask enough questions so you should oh, ask yeah next time yeah, ask me that yeah. was that, yeah, that was on me oh, okay anyways yeah, so, so i i get i feel you though like i was kind of like the non-cover band guy and be like oh i'd rather go sing karaoke if i have to have something right yeah, i don't yeah. know that's me though but yeah, I, I just, I kind of wanted to touch base on that. Cause I, I get a lot of shit still for being, cause I, I do actually play in a cover band now uh, mm-hmm. amongst other things. I've got several original music vent, uh, ventures and like, that's obviously my main, my main focus, but um, um yeah. So that. <laughs> oh, so you, so you came full circle. Yeah. I guess you accepted it. I guess. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's like, um, I, I kind of wrote it off like this a while back is like, you know, you have this ability as a guitar player. So it's no different than, uh, going to give guitar lessons, I guess, you know, oh, it's sure. the ability you have and you're exploiting it. So, yeah. Whatever. But, anyways, on to the shitty stories. <laughs> sure. So, um, I want to say this was probably, I, I, I made a list for those, uh, listening because, uh-huh. I have quite a few of these. Um, and so let, let's uh, ask this first and foremost. Was the was the release that I... Uh, hey, there's the interview invite from Brandon Wright. Um, was, <laughs> was the release so you didn't want me to use proper names or as if um, I wanted to or not? Because I'd really like to call this next uh, group out. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's a question to Brandon. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. The release is basically just saying that anyone that comes on the show, they can't turn around and take ownership for the episode that they're on. Oh, I got you. Okay. I, yeah. I thought you had somebody who wanted to recant statements or no, you, no, you no. didn't want them to call out certain people. Anyways, so um, if someone gets called out and they get butthurt about it, I mean, it kind of comes with the territory. It is what it is. Don't be a douchebag. You won't get called out for it. But <laughs> I don't know the whole slanderous laws, but the way I'm seeing it, I'm not saying it. Gotcha. So I said before, if anything, we could, if people want to name drop them. I mean, that's that's their prerogative. I, I, that's not me. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there was this international contest, and I don't know if they still do it or not. I, I hope they don't. I hope they went down in flames, but... Um, Quite a few years back, probably I would say probably 10, 12, there was a uh, international contest for a band, like a battle of the bands, pretty much. And like it culminated in the grand prize was like you went to Germany and played in front of all these people and blah, 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 whatever, and won money and instruments. But it was called Emergenza. I don't know if either one of you have heard of this or not, but uh, 
Mm-mm. So they, they start at the local level and um, basically they, I mean, it was a load of bullshit from the beginning, but they talked it up a good game. So um, the band I was in at the time, we got to go to Chicago a couple of times and play a few venues that we wouldn't have normally had the opportunity to play and um, didn't reach the third round, which would have, if we would have got past the third round, we would have went like to nationals or whatnot. But um I remember in the second round, something like there was some band with a hot girl and they're like, oh, she won. That's fucking surprising. But <laughs> not not entirely the, the point of the story. But um so we didn't reach the third round. And then we get a call like the day before they're playing uh Double Door in Chicago, and which was a venue we eventually got to play, but um hadn't before. So we were like, oh yeah, we want to play there. So they called us and said, Hey. We had a band drop out, so you guys were runners up, so you guys want to come play. So we're like, absolutely. So, and my details could be a little foggy, but, um, you know, we circled the wagons and made it happen. Uh, When we got there, and anybody who's been to the Double Door will know that there's not uh, ample parking. Hmm. So when we got there, uh, we parked our vehicles with all our equipment in under... um, the L and walked a block and the guy was like, Oh yeah, sorry, man. Um, you guys can't play for, and I don't remember what his reason was, but it was like, it was to the point where we were debating whether to whip this guy's ass or not, because <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a two hour job, a two hour drive, you know? Oh, shit. And, uh, I was just like, what the fuck, man? You know? But, Point being is uh, we deal with this guy for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, walk back to our vehicles and uh, the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen Oh, because we parked under the L and like, you know, the train goes over, you're not going to hear a window get smashed. So, so yeah, that, that's uh, basically my fucking Mergenza story because they, you know, lured us out there our shit yeah. got and i called the guy and i said hey what what's your uh what do you plan to do about this you know this is your fault you know we were there you know well and basically nothing you know but like i said hopefully they they're no longer in business because it was a bunch of assholes Anyways. dude i feel yeah i feel like like chicago is I feel like a small sperm in a big testicle when you play out there and then you kind of go home and as the losing like sperm, because it's a, it's a hard market. I think there, cause it's such a big fucking city. I mean, I feel like I played there out there twice and I went home just like, what am I doing in my life? It's just so intimidating out there. I don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> at the time, like when we first started playing out there so many years ago, like yeah. I was, I mean, it was, something I hadn't done before. And I was really pretty excited because, you know, look at all the bands that came out of Chicago, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. some, you know, heavy hitters. So I was looking forward to seeing, you know, some, some good bands. And I, I I hate to say this, but, you know, for all the shows that we played out there, which I mean, probably close to a hundred, you know, when you got three to five bands on a bill, 
I can count on one hand of decent bands I saw, you know, mm. and I'm not saying now because uh, Chokesetter has started playing out that way and we've played with some really decent bands. But when I first started playing out there, it was just like, you know, they thought because they were from Chicago that they were, they were something. And it was just like, it, yeah, but more to, more to the point of like the Chicago thing is I don't know how they do it now. We've been treated really well, honestly, as of late, but back in the day, they, they would, you know how we do around here or pretty much anywhere I would think where you split the door amongst the bands. Yeah. Well, what they would do then is when you came in the door, they'd be like, who are you here to see? You know? Okay. Yeah. They take a tally. Yeah. And being not from around there, we didn't have a whole lot of people come to see us. So it was like, whoever you came to see was who got your money, which I, I guess I understand to an extent, but like when you're, you know, and a lot of these things were, we were trying to do trade shows where we would bring, you know, a band would put you on a show out there and then you'd bring them here where they obviously got, you know, I, we do that today and we would forego the lion's share of the money so that they'd have money to get back home and or put in their tank or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they just, so I thought that was kind of a shitty way to do things how they had done them back then. I don't, like I said, we, we played it, uh, the band I'm in now, um, we played at Reggie's, uh, Cobra Lounge and a couple other places and we've been treated fantastic. So, you know, that's good to hear really honestly, like in a big city like that. Yeah. But I mean, when we first started out, not, not this band, but like when I first started playing out there, it was fucking awful, you know? Yeah. So more to your point, like feeling like the tiny sperm and the big testicles, like, but yeah, I think the art of show trading is also kind of went downhill. A lost art for sure. Yeah. Well, and the thing that we're running into now uh, that I've been talking to my bandmates is we don't have jack shit to offer anymore. It's like a lot of the original venues have just, fell off so i can't say to somebody like hey yeah we'll trade you a show we've got this really good venue you know outside of you know like ignition you know what mm-hmm. what's the original venue now like what do we got i well, mean we got that one. Does some shit sometimes and then mccormick does something sometimes but well, we got that about- we got that place with the c word but everybody's avoiding that place uh, dude, that place, you remember playing that place. Uh-huh. It used to have a fucking awesome PA and an awesome sound guy, and the owners would pay you right. Now it's like they have jack shit for sound. They don't give a fuck. You can't put as many people in the place. <laughs> and Plus, there's some weird shit with the owner that I don't even want to know about. Right. I, so yeah, nobody wants to play there. So yeah, it's it's a shame. <laughs> you know, history is gone. You know, all they're doing is putting like a they're basically sugarcoating history and putting sparkles on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You mentioned McCormick's and Ed and I talked about this before on a my other podcast when we were just kind of bullshitting about band stuff. I played a show there three years ago and 
I think we were the first we opened and then an, another band played after us. Well, during the next band set, some guy came in and like they were throwing down whatever. Well, he picks this guy up and he basically like wrestling moves and like power bombs and right on the fucking top of his head on the concrete. Jesus. Like, like mm-hmm. did it intentionally. And the dude, we, the show got shut down because the cops showed up. The paramedics came up. They put him on a stretcher and took him out by ambulance. I was like, did we just watch this dude murder somebody? <laughs> and the cops were asking the question, like, who did it? Who did it? Well, no one knew who it was conveniently, even though he was buddies with the band that was playing. And he snuck out the back and no one, last I've ever heard of him, he never, no one ever was caught for it or got in trouble for it. But the dude, he was like unconscious. They were all trying to like revive him. Like they threw water in his face. Someone kept slapping him. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He might, <laughs> he might be dead. Yeah. So I, I was going to save the violent stories for later, but that's a nice segue because <laughs> I've got a couple of those. Oh shit! So there was um, there was a venue called Riverside that's not there anymore. That was just I mean it was decent at the time, but it was very short lived. Um, and I remember playing there one night, and it was it was basically a meat market, and everybody's trying to fight, and I'm just like, oh my god, let's get the <laughs> fuck out. So we're trying to load out, and these guys are trying like the bouncers are standing around with their thumbs in their asses and there's a couple guys trying to fight. And I'm like, look, man, I've got fairly expensive equipment. If this shit gets knocked over, cause these jackasses, you're letting them fight. I said, we're going to have words, you know? So I eventually ended up yelling at the bouncers. Like I was the fucking head bouncer. So I was like, Hey, get those guys the fuck out of here. And they were like, looked around like that was a new idea. I'm like Jesus Christ, man! We're, you know you got expensive equipment, and it wasn't just me; it was the other bands that had played as well. And they're just letting these guys go to town. I'm like, what are these your buddies or what the fuck? But was was that the place in the 100 Center behind? Oh, okay, behind what what used to be Smokestack, which was another venue that kind of let original bands play there a little bit. Oh, that's true. We never got to play there. I I, I played Riverside at a for like a benefit and it had nice it was just a nice kind of layout I mean, yeah yeah it was a good place but yeah wrong bad clientele apparently i don't know we took pictures behind those buildings because it's all dilapidated and just falling apart pretty yeah, cool it used to be like an old uh and i think it still has the lettering on the top of it, it was like a brewery or something mm. originally like hmm. but anyhow yeah yeah oh and there so Leading into the next violent story, just I've, <laughs> I've got a list, man. I'm trying to you know, keep it brief. So if I'm going too fast, let me know. But... You're okay. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have I've told this story before, and I'll, I'll leave out names, protect the guilty. But uh, <laughs> we were playing a show at that uh, the aforementioned C Word Club, and uh, there was a heckler, and I ended up knowing the guy, and you know patching things up ultimately with him but um we had a a notorious singer in this certain band and not a lot of people liked him but because i was in the band with him i had to kind of stick up for him every now and then so this heckler was like um he would take big mouthful he had like a he was drinking out of a pitcher and i think he was already (laughs) shit-faced and he was spitting mouthfuls of beer at the singer to try and get his attention and this was at the time when um that bar had like i want to say 
a belly level railing around the stage. Okay. I mean, I've, seen, yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Okay. So this guy is like, and I caught it out of the corner of my eye a couple times. And then I start, I start to see the singer kind of losing his shit. And then like my pedal board gets splashed and I was like, all right, motherfucker. Now oh. it's go time. So next thing I know, the singer is up on that railing and jumping off on this guy and the beer goes flying. The singer ends up underneath the guy. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is like mid song. So I <laughs> throw my guitar off and I grab the guy by the neck and I'm like, let him go. And I look up and this, dude, I, this to this day, I can think about this and fucking laugh. The um, bass player had unplugged his bass and is like buggy whipping this fucking guy like to let go of the singer and i'm like what the fuck are you doing dude <laughs> like that is the most brutal thing you could fucking think to do to something like you know and you don't even like the fucking guy he's beaten up so it's like, oh my god and i remember uh bill finn was working the door and for whatever reason after the drummer after seeing the bass player do what he did starts coming around the fucking drums with a beer bottle i'm like jesus christ man it's four on one like what the fuck are you doing Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a good one, and then we got up and finished the set. So there was I, a, yeah. <laughs> I don't see a lot of that happening anymore. I mean, that must have been like, I mean, you got to be a real dickhead to go and like heckle a band nowadays. I I, I don't I don't I don't see it like it actually happening anymore. Not that I know of. It it happened to one of my bands back <laughs> in I think 2011. Someone was in Lafayette. We played out skirts of Purdue, and someone yelled from the crowd, "Your scene died in 2001." <laughs> what? <laughs> we played like metalcore slash deathcore influence stuff, but apparently we must have been like to them, fucking Limp Biscuit. I don't know, <laughs> but. We never did understand that. A very specific insult. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. What, what musicologist, motherfucker? Like, yeah. I, I, we just, to this day, we've, I randomly will bring it up every once in a while. I'll be like, your scene died in 2001. Hilarious. So maybe that's the part of this show. That's, I think that's the dark side. It died in only, 2001. I think the only time we got kind of like a heckler was in a, the, what is that? Not the the wander in. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. Playing the wander in. It was a pack bar, and this dude, he looked like the wheelchair guy from like uh family guy. Mm. But like he could walk, obviously. And he was just like wearing a Notre Dame jacket and going, ah, ah, you know, and he was wild. And then I think he ended up getting the shit beat out of him in the back. I don't know what happened, but since drunk Notre Dame guy. That's about the only heckling I ever got. So. so that's funny because that reminds me of another story that I completely had forgot about. Sure. I was in a band called Unlucky Stars where, like, I don't know. Did you play, like, on an actual stage at Wander In or was it? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, it was a mini stage. It wasn't that big, but. Yeah. Right, right. So before they had that stage, they used to make you play up in the corner because the pool tables were back there. I remember that. That was like, yeah, yeah, yeah before. So we were playing a show up there, and this guy kept bumping into my guitar player because there's, I mean, there's no, I mean, there was no place for, you know, the crowd to be, and they were just nope. getting rowdy. 
and he kept bumping in there. And I remember the guitar player taking off his guitar like he was gonna smash the motherfucker, and like, I'm like, no, don't do that, you know. But yeah, that was another one. But yeah, that that place. Another story about wandering, and I. This is more as far as like, you know, the dark side of, is um, sound men that think the crowd's there because they're there. And I don't know if you've ran into these guys before, but I, and I won't call this guy out, but hmm. I had never experienced um, this certain person before. And we were, it was the same band and it was a different show, but the same, you know, shitty little corner. And I was, I said something to the singer about, um, like, can we move these mains out or, and there's like a rack of amps or whatever. And I was like, you know, we need, we, we were five piece. I was like, cause we need, you know, as much room as we could get. And, uh, he basically was like, oh man, you don't want to fuck with the sound guy, you know? And I was like, what? He's like, I know this guy from way back and blah, blah, blah. And he's just, I was like, I don't give a fuck. We're, you know, the the crowd, like whatever crowd comes in here is here to see the bands that are playing, not the fucking sound guy, you know, but it it was one of those things where I was just like, man, you know, like, what did you just say? Like, and (laughs) it was like a standoffish thing. And I, I even, I know the guy better now, but. Back in the day, I was like, I don't know who this guy from fucking Adam, he's running sound. It's not, And I'm not the type of guy that's a fucking asshole to the sound guy, but I'm like, hey, uh, I asked nicely. And he was just like, nah, man. You know, it was like what one of those. The, people like, like, what the God. fuck is going on? You know, I've, I don't understand, like, you know, asshole-ish sound guys. Like, most of them are pretty cool. Like, Yo, I know, absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah, most. But like, I mean, there's been if you. I don't think I personally pissed one off, but like maybe if a bandmate said something to them, then they get a shit attitude. And this is the last guy you want to piss off, especially if it's before you're set. Right. Yeah. yeah, Let's, let's think about that for a second. I've always kind of wondered this because maybe it's a stereotype and I'm not trying to stereotype, but I've noticed like the really dickhead sound guys are usually shorter guys. (laughs) They have a very bad receding hairline and their arms are, so like unnaturally hairy am i wrong have you ever encountered that they're typically like really short guys mm. <laughs> i i said the majority of them are like tall skinny dudes i don't so, know the, the couple around here that we i've dealt with that uh over the years they've been shorter well i'm really tall so maybe they're normal size people right. they're know. probably in that yeah probably uh average height <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm, I'm pretty tall so maybe they're just normal and they just look short to me but i've noticed like the one dude in particular he had almost like a almost like a skull at one point because he was very bad receding hairline but he had like a ponytail out the back and his arms were like obnoxiously hairy i feel like you're basically describing every sound guy that sucks is danny devito it's all like <laughs> possibly <laughs> maybe it was danny devito Right, I just didn't know it. It makes me think of Super Troopers too, where he's, if you know that scene. But anyways, if you don't, it's not funny. <laughs> they came out with another one. I guess they did. I forgot all about it. <laughs> oh man, you haven't seen it? Yeah, oh. wait for the, the Danny DeVito scene is the best one. Oh best shit! One. <laughs> yeah, you gotta see it. Nice. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I didn't even know there was a second one. Right, so I yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Man. 
I helped crowdfund that fucking thing, man. Come on. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. <laughs> you're, you're scratching the surface about the, all the weird shit that happened. I forgot all about the raunchy sound, man. Oh, yeah. And I, I watched the same guy years later um, treat a national act like absolute shit. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, that's yeah, yeah, that, that, that that'll make him not come back ever again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then there's guys that have the, uh, what do you say, like, uh, too much uh, technical knowledge and not enough technical ability. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they talk your ear off and stuff, and then when they go to prove you wrong, yeah, they pretty much don't. Fail miserably. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Have you ever had a sound guy messing with the knobs on your head or any like your equipment or anything? Mm, no, I think that'd that'd get you buggy whipped by the bass player. <laughs> I've seen that happen before. I think it actually happened to two of my guitar players. The dude wasn't technically a sound guy. He was actually from another band, but he was the one running sound. And I guess they turn around and looked, and he was back there fucking with their stuff. They're like, "Dude, what are you doing?" He's like, "You need to turn down." Yeah, I think <laughs> like as a guitar player, like. Touching the knobs on the front of the amp is a, yeah, that's a offense uh, punishable by a beating severely. Like, <laughs> I've got my shit dialed in, son. Like, back up. Yeah, no shit. I haven't. Uh, that's another thing I've never witnessed, so I, I don't know. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Huh. That's there's another. Uh, there's another tab <laughs> to uh get into maybe on a different episode but the the art of gear sharing when bands show up without the gear and they expect to use your shit oh my god <laughs> i've never experienced that unless it was like in advance but i will say this and i find it kind of odd but i guess you you do what you do do what you need to do but um there's been like tour offers where and i it's probably like fly in dates for these bands um, but tour offers we've gotten where it's not a buy on like it normally would be, but it would, it's the band that you're going to tour with uses your gear. So, I mean, that is like, you're going into it knowing that, and it's not, you're not having to spend any money. So, but yeah, I was, I would, I can't imagine. And I mean, you guys can speak to this as well, but as far as, even if I was in a big enough band where I was flying in, I'd be like, I'd still want my own amp, you know, like oh, that's, that's, that's just like a, that's like wearing somebody else's pants that don't fit. You know, I, don't I know. think, I think I remember you telling me this, this gig specifically, like they needed to borrow all your stuff and you were like, what the fuck? You know, like, right. You know, the same gig I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said it went pretty good, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess they were really cool? Yeah. Huh. That's good, though. Like, they, they were probably appreciative. And, yeah, that's cool that they weren't yeah, mixed about I, it. I just, I, it's it's weird to me that, like, from my standpoint, if I was them, like, but one of the huh. things, like, speaking of cool bands, so you have, like, this, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe it's just me, like an image of like a band that has like some big hits or whatever. Like they're probably going to be assholes or something. 
but I I just wanted to say this because like there's another story about a band that is actual fucking assholes. So I wanted <laughs> to do both sides of the coin, but we um played not my current band, but a, a previous band. We played an opening gig through a um Jaegermeister Jägermeister sponsorship opening for Kubastank at Pierre's. Hmm. And I was like, oh man, these guys got that fucking uh that big song that was was fucking huge. These guys are just gonna be like nose in the air or whatever. And those guys, like out of all the bands we've played with, um, I can count on one hand how many have like came up and were like, you know, made an effort to be cool. And those guys were one of them. I was really surprised. So that is cool to hear, honestly. Yeah, because I mean there's some that just I mean, they don't give a fuck. You know, I know we, I, we did a couple dates with the cult and Billy Duffy, the guitar player, was absolutely fantastic. The rest of the band was fantastic. The singer hid until it was time to go on stage, which whatever, <laughs> it's a singer thing, but I think um, it is. Yeah. But you know, we still had a good time, but yeah, there's I we through the grapevine we heard that like, oh yeah, Ian doesn't like metal bands. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we're uh, the metal band. But, so, huh. I mean, so it's like we brought people there. It should be kind of grateful, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. I guess never stop being humble unless you're in a bigger band. Then those rules don't apply to anybody anymore, I guess. Nobody. But speaking <laughs> of, so, so getting to the flip side of the coin, um, this same band that got to do the the Jägermeister stuff, um, we got asked to do a festival in Kentucky, and the, the guys who were booking it like really talked it up, very big. Like it was supposed to be, you know, like the next Coachella, except for in fucking Kentucky for what that's worth. But uh, we get down there, and they had they went all out like they had it it was i want to say it was in august or september so it was hot as fucking balls but <laughs> um they had like the the trailers with the like the showers in them and shit for the bands and they were really treating us well um the problem was is you know they had like three different stages like this huge area that could have accommodated the 10,000 they said were going to be there but it ended up being probably 500 to 1,000 people, which didn't look like anything in this huge space. But, the, I mean, they got, like the, yeah, they were uh, very accommodating, except, and they gave us, like, this amazing spot. Like, we were, like, supposed to be the headliner or right before the headliner on a Friday night. Well, the band that played before us, and it was a very eclectic bill the band that played before us was um, the Nappy Roots. And they proceeded to go on uh, for about two and a half fucking hours but like, and wouldn't get the fuck off the stage to the point where we're like, there's no point in us, in us playing at all now. And we actually loaded up and fucking left. But yeah, that's like, and there people were saying something to them like, hey, there's other bands I have to play and they didn't give a fuck. That's pretty shitty <laughs> yeah so that's the other side of the coin you're gonna oh. have people that just don't you know I, like they're I, all that but. i don't think there's anybody worth watching to 
over two hours for. Sorry. Oh man, and they just had ev. Like, there's probably twenty fucking people on stage, you know, and it was just on and on and on, and it was enjoyable for a while. But then they're like, Jesus Christ, are you playing your entire catalog? Like, fuck. Right. You know. Huh. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. There's there's that side of it as well. For yeah. as many cool bands as there are, there's you know. That uh, is very true. <laughs> I'm going to touch on this on a future episode because I have someone that's wanting to come out on the show that was a part of this, but I actually talked with it about this the other day. Not necessarily the same context, but about people that don't know when to fucking get off the stage. Uh, oh, back in the day, there used to be a plethora, plethora, whatever that term is, of these so-called Christian bands. And... They used to start giving sermons after they're set. And it's like, we have a short schedule as it is, and we're trying to keep things going, and they're out there trying to talk about Jesus and God and everything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, dude, you've talked for 15 fucking minutes now. Like, we have to Wrap be done. We have to be done at 11 o'clock, and here we are going on 10 o'clock. There's still three bands left because you won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god so but no that's going to be a coming this in a few episodes up down the line that there's someone used to be involved I, in some of these bands so i'm gonna talk about that i think there's a lesson learned here is don't take up other people's time you're not the main focus unless you're the headliner i yeah, guess i, guess, mean, I guess band courtesy like your slot times don't take too long you know that, like and like more to the point too like when you're done playing, get the fuck off the stage. I know all your body, your buddies want to talk to you, but like wrap your shit up and move. Like, oh. tell them, I'll talk to you in a minute. You know, you fucking dealt, dealt with that shit. Right. Not when another band starts grabbing your shit and moving it off the stage for you. Like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, if they want to help, like, if you, you know, been like talking to them, they're cool and they just want to get everything smooth, that is okay. Yeah. But like, usually it's like, it would be sad if it's a bunch of grown-ups taking forever. But like I know young kids, they don't get it. And I just try to help them and whatever. But like fucking grown ass men don't know what the fuck they're doing. Get your shit off stage now. Now. <laughs> Cause you know, the big cities don't fuck around. Like they'll no. fucking time they time you. Well, and more to that point, um, and I'm not trying to name drop here, but like it in the context of the conversation, like we've done that. Uh, the band that will remain unnamed um, we did quite a few Jägermeister tours and we were told and it was usually like 20 minutes you got as an opener and they were like you go one fucking second over 20 minutes the power is getting cut on your ass like they didn't give a fuck like you were you were the local support and you were lower than dog shit so but they would tell you that point blank you know mm. like you went one minute over so we would always time our sets and trim the fat off the song so it was like and rehearse that motherfucker until it was you know right at that 19 minutes and 30 seconds mark where you could say thanks and get the fuck off you know but yeah. no and i mean i've carried that with me all along because especially after that shit happened in kentucky it's like dude and i i can i can preface this by another story where i didn't do that but like on a normal day, like, yeah, how much time we got to play? Like, me and you were talking earlier about 
communication between bands. And I, you know, we, uh, me and John talked about the show on Saturday and it was like, uh, everybody got what, 40 or 45 minutes. So yeah, we, about 45, yeah. So we made sure like, yeah, that was, you know, and it ended, it ended up running ahead of time, which never happens. It was very fucking weird, but. A little um, bit, but we got home at a decent time, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. But no, it's it's always being respectful of other people's slots and other people's time, you know. And to but once again, the, the flip side of that coin is I remember um, booking shows at uh, Club Fever, one of the bigger venues in South Bend, and being able to put my own shows together. Rest in peace, by the way. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. That was a fucking awesome place. They used to bring so many nationals through but um so i would try to put kind of an eclectic lineup but be done like have the the headliner which would be my band because i was putting the show together have the headliner be done by like midnight and then we would um i would have a cover band i would hire them to close out the night mm-hmm. and i just remember <laughs> i remember one show um just getting mad dog by this singer of this cover band because we were kind of going over a little bit but it was our fucking show you know it was like you know they had like no set specific time that they were supposed to go on it was like you guys are closing out the night but I just remember this guy who always wore mirrored sunglasses at night just fucking mad dogging me and i was like dude first of all you look like a douchebag second <laughs> of all fuck off but you know I, uh, but I remember doing that once and I will, I will cop to it and then, you know, say I'll never do it again. <laughs> I, uh, I think I feel like my old band closed that place. Like, because I remember the big thing that, uh, Chevelle was supposed to come there. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and like, they ended up canceling it. And like a dude, there was a guy in a uh, St. Joe that was putting together shows he was a bass player that played in a Primus band. Went crazy, I guess. I'm not mm. saying names. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly who you're talking okay. about. Okay. Well, like, he put it together a show there, like a Friday showcase, and then Chevelle's supposed to come. And then he was like, well, like, uh, if you're not going to the Chevelle show, come to this show. And it was like original bands playing. And nobody came, even though it was free entry. And the, the owner was like, saw the attendance. He's like, I'm not running a fucking paid rehearsal here like well i was like and the guy and then that bass player guy's just shaking his head like kind of just avoiding him and i'm like what's his problem Uh, i don't know and i think after that they closed it was just like did did we close this place out now i'm not saying we did anything but it's just weird how that went down like you know one band cancels and that was it for it it's like whose fault is that the areas or the owner i don't know i don't know yeah i don't i don't know why that why that place folded but man that was such a good venue because they would do like we played quite a few shows there and they would have other area bands as well like you could i mean they never did like local showcases or anything a lot but mm-hmm. you'd get a an opener for a national act you know if you talk to the right people yeah so i, I, I played in the basement also which was kind of cool and it's a, its own little separate thing oh yeah yeah they used to call that the green room or something or it was below yeah yeah i remember doing a show or two there too that was i remember seeing a reggae band down there (laughs) but yeah yeah that that venue was like 
there were so many like there was a completely different room above the main room that was fucking huge like they could have turned it into it looked like they had pool tables up there so it must have been something but it looked like a scene out of um what was the jackie gleason paul newman uh the hustler hmm. like and it had those big windows that you could see from the street like and there was just so many other rooms in that fucking place that weren't even being used like that could have been Huh. Like Pierre's times ten, but yeah. I just don't think we have the we didn't have the population to, you know. We have the population, excuse me, population. We just don't have people that give give a fuck. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So I mean, that's just another story in itself. It's like I don't know if it was the people that helped ruin that or just the way things were ran. It could be a combination of the two. You know. So speaking of that, that reminds me of another story that I didn't even have on my list. So as <laughs> As an original musician, this was like one of the most eye-opening things about, um, and I'm not pissing on the people of this area because, you know, God knows there's a lot of cool people that come out to original shows, but mm -hmm. let's just say um, a lot of bear listeners, um, and I'm not, <laughs> pissing, I'm, I'm not pissing on the bear either, but I know. Um, there's people that like to be spoon fed what they listen to and they don't ever venture outside of that. And that's oh, basically who drives me fucking insane. So to illustrate that point, um, a band I was in played at club fever opening for, um, Papa Roach and it was sold out place was fucking packed and it was mm. an awesome show. Like we went over great and, uh, Obviously, Papa Roach went over great. Everybody knew the fuck they were and pretty much sold out. And we're at the merch booth afterwards, you know, selling shit. And I had uh, somebody say, oh, you guys, uh, where are you guys from? I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. You know, like, you know, it's like, I, I guess I, I should take the compliment that they thought we were like on that tour, but. In the same respect, it's like, dude, if you like this music, and at the time I was playing the same schlocky type of shit, <laughs> um, if you like this music, like this, the same shit is in the back your backyard. Like the band that you saw tonight that you thought was somebody played down the street two fucking weeks ago, and you could have saw them for five dollars, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's definitely we... a dark side. <laughs> no, like I can relate because when I played in Angola, right, the same place. We had people come up to us. I've never heard of you before. I'm like, I don't want to get mad, but it's like, what do you listen to? Like, and then I, you know, I asked my band, like, I told them the same thing. I'm like, how do these people not know how to find us? What can we do? And I got like crickets. I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> so, right. Like, yeah. How do you take care of something like that? Like the radios only can only do so much, I guess. Well, that that's their main source. It's like, Nobody wants to find new things, I guess. I don't know. It ain't that hard. Right. And, and I mean, for what it's worth, the, the bear around here does, you know, the local, the, well, you guys were just on, weren't you? I didn't, yeah, I didn't know about that until like David told us about it. I'm like, what? They do that again? Okay, cool. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, so, that. Whatever, you know. So yeah, they're doing their part, but you know, uh, how many people are listening to it? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it's like, how do you, you know, it's, it's, I, and once again, I think it's up to the venues to take a chance, you know, because I mean, look at dude, I, I, 
I don't want to overstate this and sound like I was not expecting much, but um, Ignition on Saturday, that fucking place was packed, man. And everybody's having a good time. And like that blew my mind. Yeah, you know, usually, so, yeah, usually the uh, if it's uh, promoted right and it's all ages, like a lot of people come to those, you know, it's 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 never been a disappointment. I think the one time it was for our CD release, but it was summer and I'm pretty sure nobody wanted to be in a hot ass venue summertime and but most of them have been pretty good there so yeah you, you're right there's high hopes yeah i mean there's definitely people doing the right thing as far as like you know getting the word out but it's far mm -hmm. in between anymore you know oh. like that uh jt's whatever it's called now yeah. has went through three different incarnations and 10 different um inclinations from the whoever's running it as far as whether they want cover bands or no bands or original bands and it's like fuck man the last original show i went to there um god what was it i can't remember but fucking place was packed and i'm like okay you can have cover bands in here but i being in a cover band i know what they were willing to pay cover bands and i'm like you are not getting the kind of cover bands that are going to pull as much as the these original bands are pulling you're just not nope you know, so it's like, as a venue owner, you got to kind of realize that shit. But that's just me, you know, ranting and blowing off fucking steam. That it's not going to change anything. But no, everybody's got the same story in every town. You know, I do have <laughs> one gripe about cover bands, and there's actually been a few messages I've had from cover bands wanting to come on this show, and I'm not going to be a elitist and not allow cover bands to come on here or anything about it but i have never been one to enjoy cover bands because as a being in a band and wanting to make my own music i've always thought cover bands were relying on someone else's work just to make money which... write your own songs you bitches but, all right that came out of nowhere <laughs> but to make the point like just like that um i see how much these venues were charging for when you come in for a cover band they were paying these cover bands 500 to 700 dollars, and then you try and put on a all like original show and they're not one to pay shit so it's like you're willing to pay this type of money to someone to play covers but you won't support local music like original music and you want to pay them dog shit here's a couple drink tickets guys oh thanks right. yeah and the thing of it is, is a lot of those same bands that are paying those cover bands that money are charging, still charging cover at the door. So it's like the dynamic doesn't have to change. It's just the dynamic of what is coming off the stage has to change. And if there's more venues to willing to take that chance, they they make the same amount of money because I guarantee you, you know, well, I don't I can't speak for Ed's friends, but my friends, I know like they'll come out and drink. So <laughs> I don't have like, any friends. So, yeah, well, there's <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, I get it. Like it's, you know, the cover bands bring drinkers. I mean, we do too, as far as originals, but the bars really want drinkers. That's well, and it, it breaks down like this. And this was explained to me a long time ago. It's like, you know, the band plays the music that girls want to dance to. So the girls come to dance, the guys come because the girls are there, and then everybody drinks. That's the fucking equation that the bar owners see, and it's like, okay, 
horny drunks. That should be a band. Horny drunks. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, yeah. You know, it's a good and, cover band name, the Horny Drunks. The Horny Drunks, but just to, to button up my thoughts on cover bands, like I don't have problems with cover bands anymore. But what I do have problems with is like guys who are in cover bands who think they're fucking rock stars, mm. and we all know a couple of them, like locally or what whatnot. But it's just like I don't know. It's not for me to say, but it's like, dude, you're. You're playing some like I don't act like a fucking asshole or a rock star, and I write my own music. But you're trying to act like a fucking rock star off of the back of somebody else. Well, what I say to that is, you still got a normal job when you're not doing this because it doesn't make you gives you rock star money at all. No, just not saying. just saying. Anything I'm spending job. money. <laughs> exactly. So there's that. I mean, that should shut them up about having any kind of rock star mentality because. You still got a normal job. We're all shit the same shit. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. how I feel about that. And again, I don't have problems with cover bands necessarily. I don't either. It's not, it's not my thing. Like I just, if I'm going to go to a bar, I'd rather just talk to somebody instead of having to scream over that. Because at the end of the day, I just want to hang out and drink, but I don't want to yell at my friends to get their attention, make conversation. I guess I don't go to bars much anyway. So yeah. It's just not my scene. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I typically don't go to bars and to be honest anymore, I'm just as bad and part of the dark side of the scene is I don't go out to shows anymore either, but damn it, Brandon. Yeah. I don't live no. in an area where there's shit going on half the time. And then I've got four kids and they all do shit. So I never have time to do anything. This is why I have to do it late at night interviews because <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to be asleep at this point you could start a band with them like the brady bunch like then they had a band that one of the episodes or the partridge family oh that too have a bus <laughs> silence i love that bus <laughs> oh the silence is my one-year-old's upstairs throwing a giant fit so that's that's my life these days <laughs> that's pretty metal. Love it. it is metal so uh <laughs> what else you got on that happy list yours definitely so, this. this is going to be definitely a dark side of this scene because this stuff like oh and this will be kind of short-lived and i won't say any band names but the, at a certain point like i said and i'm far be it for me to fucking blow my own horn because i'm not like <laughs> that but um at a certain point i was in a band that could get like i said i was able to book my own shows at club fever and this and that so i would do let's say bands favors and put them on these shows and you know just for you know what it's worth then you go from being in that band to being in you know that band breaks up and then you're in another band where it's you know you can't draw a crowd in a broom closet and then you're like hitting these bands up that you gave these big shows to and they're like who the fuck are you? You know, like oh. not, not repaying as far as it goes. That that shit used to piss me off. Like, no. you know, that's an important lesson too. Like, please return the favor. You Absolutely. Know, like, yeah. like, don't be a dick about it. Come on. Like, if you guys got along, that's a friend for life. You know, I've met a lot of cool people trade showing, showing, and tra- can talk. <laughs> show trade, share, show, show trade, yeah, show trading. And I've I've still been and that's how I'm at, actually that's how I'm at Brandon here. Like, even though 
the show I traded got messed up because oh the c word we can't say the c word we should probably <laughs> so we call it the beast yeah. that whole okay. 2019 thing 2020 or 2020 what's 2020 man see i'm old the 2020 thing we call it the beast so we don't call it the c word because it'll get it'll mess up his it'll get banned i don't i forgot what it was youtube Explain. youtube banned one of my other podcast episodes because the beast was talked about and apparently it was spreading false information about the beast and YouTube did not like that, even though I wasn't saying anything about it. Someone on my podcast was talking about beast donations or whatever and how they didn't help take care of the beast. And that got my shit banned. And I got a warning that they're going to shut down my channel for spreading false information. Jeez. <laughs> so we don't say the C word. It's the beast. All right. <laughs> Newly noted. Yeah, sorry. For anyone out there that was listening and wonder why in these few episodes we've been referring to things as beast, now you know. <laughs> but yeah, um I just wasn't trying to give the guy any fucking undue press is all, but <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Oh wait, well that's another subject of itself. <laughs> that's another topic that we're not going to dive into. <laughs> so, I think I cut you off about the whole uh trade show thing sorry about that well you were talking no. about meeting me with a trade show but yeah oh yeah that's how i met brandon because like he gave me a show and then when we were supposed to have one it was called a halloween in april and we were like a halloween party at that ignition place had it all set out and then boom and then you know that month no shows and then coming month no show no. once it got to april it was like well i guess that's not happening so that's pretty pissed because that would have been cool. So it yeah. was just oh, you're talking okay. So the c word is yeah, never mind. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that... about it. yeah, we got we got mixed around there. As far as... Uh, it's inspired by that other event, the word itself, the beast, but we call it that now, so we don't get banned. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, we sorry. don't need a. I thought yeah. we were referring to a venue when we said the c word, but anyways, no, no. Oh no. man, we're no. talking about the the global event. <laughs> and, the, yep. and it finally dawns on the slow guy <laughs> no, okay. uh, now i know what you guys are talking about i wish you know, we probably should have said that sorry about that because usually oh, we yeah. tell yeah no because i know like that big that's global a, event yeah because we know that's going to come up and how like things were affected by everybody like oh, band yeah. And, yeah absolutely yeah no because of bringing that word up it got my other episode banned so i'm just so, yeah, so. we, we just refer to it as the beast until YouTube catches on what the beast is, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, on, on that note, um, the band I was in, uh, I think we started in 2018 and finally managed to get an album finished and ready for, you know, consumption and pressed and whatnot by, uh, I think, February 2020. And then mm. had, you know, album release parties. And yeah, then we all know what happened. So, fucking beast, yeah. the yeah. fucking beast. So, like in general, like I feel like people should quit being assholes since that because you got we basically got those years taken away from us. Shows everything, and to come out and still be a dick does not make any sense at all. Like, yeah, did you not learn? I mean, I, I I shouldn't be surprised how people are, but at the same time, it's like, did you not see what? you know what happened you know 
took you can't take things for granted simple yeah well and like being being a musician who's actively playing like yourself and like but also being a music fan first and foremost mm-hmm. like dude, that's all like that's all i did was i wanted to go to shows and i wanted to play shows mm-hmm. and when all that shit came down it was like what the like um, what the fuck do i do now <laughs> yeah. yeah that's how a lot of people were like oh my god that's a lot of the reason i don't even try and go to shows anymore because it depresses me because it's what i want to be out there doing and i can't for whatever reason get anyone to actually want to go back out and do this shit so i've been trying to find something but nothing ever fucking pans out so it's almost to the point where it's like a lost uh lost pipe dream for me to find a man that actually wants to do shit not just talk about doing shit well that's a, that's a good uh that's a good jumping off point into another subject is uh the nature of musicians being flaky fucks that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're in a band with a couple of guys that actually show up to rehearsal have their own equipment have a uh possibly a reliable vehicle and show up to shows like count yourself blessed at that point <laughs> right cuz just getting to the point where to get a couple of guys in a room like that that's a miracle within itself i i really don't get why people want to waste other people's time like what is the mentality there like why would you want to waste all these people's time that actually want to do this i mean i feel like it's that cool factor like i'm gonna want i'm gonna ban it's cool but i don't want to do the work and i know some people that are guilty about this and it's just like wake up brother like you got to do your part too a lot of people have gotten to the point where they rely on one person to do everything, basically become the leader of the band voluntarily or involuntarily, but someone has to pick up the slack of everyone else just to make sure you get shit done. Otherwise, you'd be sitting around and not ever fucking doing anything. Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate that I've got me and one other guy in this band that, not that the other guys don't do shit, but right. like me and Larry, uh, between the two of us, like we were always those guys in our other bands, so... They get two of those guys in one band that are, you know, working together is fucking, you know, to me, having been that guy, like just having one other guy that really helps is incredible. Right. And it doesn't have to be like everybody doesn't have to do it. I mean, you don't want too many hands in the pot. And and you won't get everybody to do it. So sure. You know, too many hands in the pot's bad, but you know, you have like two or three people to do it that's fine and then another person does their own like kind of thing by you know sharing something on social media good job you did your part you know everybody p you know what i always say and i learned it from an 80s movie it's the short circuit public relations is everybody's job doesn't matter (laughs) yeah it's just honest truth this is kind of everyone being involved the back in the myspace era which was a great era for metal bands back in the day, at least I think so. But everyone knew how to log into MySpace under the band account. And we started getting these messages, and I wasn't sure why, because typically I was the one running the thing, but one of the band members was using the band account to talk to these girls. (laughs) And I guess they thought they were talking to me, and I was like, what the, who is this? But no, he was, that was his hookup thing. 
he used the band account to try and hook up with girls. I was like, all right, I have to. MySpace, Tinder before Tinder. Yeah. I was like, we're going to have to change the password and only like one or two of us are going to have it because I'm not using this as a means to go what? hook up with girls. It's not why didn't, why didn't he use his, Why didn't he use his regular account? I don't know. He probably was trying to use any type of things he could. He's the reason we wrote a song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, God. that one album, The Sexual Creature. <laughs> yeah. He knows it's a bird about him as well. Like we've told him. I think you guys were at that show when he was actually there and I called him out in there in the middle of the set. I was like, there's a fucking sexual creature and pointed to him. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this song's dedicated to you, buddy. Oh my god. It's like that's me. That's me, my dick out. Yeah. There's, oh, it's a, there's a off-air story about him. I'm, I'm not going to share the personal details of the stories, but I'm still friends with the guy. So if he's out there listening, sorry, buddy. You know I love you. <laughs> Six <laughs> So uh, what else is on that list, Steve? <laughs> well, there. I mean, we're, we're. I don't know how long you guys like to go on this, but uh, I got a couple I can do real quick and sure wrap it up. But you tell me. Um, man, beating up band members. Anybody? Anybody? Holy shit! No, That's... no. I, I had a guy in a band, and I won't say his name. And this has been talked about ad nauseum. But um, both me and the bass player got to the point where we had to, you know, do that thing. <laughs> and it makes us it makes us sound like bullies, but I mean, if you have a reference point as to who this guy is, and I'm not gonna say his fucking name, but he deserved every minute of it. <laughs> Holy hell. Yeah, so there's 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 the dark side. The funny part is one of the times when it happened, um, our drummer had quit because of said dickhead. Um and we had a new drummer. So this guy, we had rehearsals at my house, guy came over, shit happened. And it was like, you know, we didn't want to let on to this new drummer who was really good that that had happened. So we were like, <laughs> we we're like, okay, don't say anything. <laughs> so, so what, what caused that? I mean, was it just a bad person? Um, I mean, I don't want them to sound like you were a bully to this dude without like, any no type. no no it wasn't it wasn't a bully type thing it was a, a very like uh just an annoying motherfucker but the the thing that like i'm i'm a very uh peaceful guy like i i i don't ever want to fight or anything like that but right it was just one it was a thing where i got pushed to the limit and the impetus behind it was uh a loyalty thing. So I had mentioned we were with like not trying to let this new drummer um find out. Well, our old drummer, and this is once again back in the MySpace days where you could say something to somebody and everybody saw it, you know, make a comment. And uh so me being me, like me and the drummer were friends before he quit the band, and we were gonna be friends after we quit the band. So me and him were still kind of hanging out, doing whatever, and um, they caught wind of it and came over and they wanted to confront me about it. Like, oh, you can't hang out with that guy anymore. He quit. I'm like, says fucking who, you know? But the same guy that was telling me I couldn't hang out with my friend who just happened to be the drummer that quit the band, 
was also the guy who was like um hanging out with people that were causing problems in my relationships and i was trying to tell him like hey this person does not have your best interest in mind like they're just trying to get to me and fuck with me mm -hmm. and wouldn't you know wouldn't hear it so it was like you know this person demanded loyalty when he was the most disloyal person demanded respect when he was the most disrespectful person so oh man you know it's just one it's just a bad person you know and the fact that i gave him the notoriety that i gave him just by you know for whatever the x factor was in that band that made us semi-successful oh that that I, oh, I regret. now I, now now it comes back yeah i regret i regret you know right i'd, I'd really hate myself if you know things would have went to the next level and i'd actually give that fucking idiot a career albeit getting one myself <laughs> you know? oh yeah yeah you know, i have a yeah that yeah <laughs> i know what you're actually talking about but i, I get it i get yeah. it yeah I'm, I'm wondering if that person will ever hear this oh he absolutely will he's he's a fucking stalker now like now if he's if they're listening like i don't have a problem with you at all like i i've been you know, when I was a young, I was a young and a 28, 29 when I started playing in the scene and I heard of that person and I all was good. I didn't have any interaction with that person. I did not care because even now I, I'm usually good with everybody. I try to be a decent human being, whatever, you know, and then the, the whole recent event about doing bad taste during the beast era mm -hmm. Yeah, for him to do that, beast, that person beast that killed beasts. That individual to do that in bad taste and for me to call him out makes me the bad guy. So, and then they threaten yeah, me. And I didn't under, and, and like, you think you'd be like, you know what? That was, that was in bad taste for me to do. You're right. I'm sorry. I did that. You know, like for them to apologize for being a little silly about that, but they never did. And maybe because they had the beast brain, because when I got, symptoms of the beast i was not thinking straight either me personally because we got the beast brain that's what i'm told and you feel really dumb like you do dumb things and it's just like that's for my personal when i got it and i don't know if that was it and not, what 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 not i mean the, the the whole that whole thing they wanted to do never got brought up again i mean i don't know what happened to all those t-shirts or if it's just one but like I don't feel like I'm the bad guy for just doing and saying what I did. No. And a lot of people were on my side for that. I just, like I said, it was in bad taste. You know, people got overcome by the beast and are no longer here on this earth. So it's like, you don't promote a band out of a tragedy like that. I get, you know, but even promoting a band, it was promoting himself. So yeah. Well, He's a fucking idiot. In, I, we're being terribly vague for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, right. but that one person who knows what we're talking about is definitely listening because he's a stalker fuck. But <laughs> and I've like and like and on the level here with Steve, like I've never heard one bad thing about you, like through that whole thing. Like it's just been about that other person. So somebody's doing something right. That's how I look uh, at it. From hey, an on, what's that? I, I, I try to conduct myself as a good person, you know. It's we all we all do usually. I I would think, but you hope, yeah. So anyway, on the other note, so what was the, yeah, yeah. What was the after what was being the... terribly vague for somebody like 
everybody's gonna be like, who are they talking about? <laughs> or I mean, I'm sure we're gonna get like listeners from other states and you know, like I guess in a synopsis, you'll always have that kind of abrasive person that no matter what they do, you know, it just comes across different and wrong. Yeah, and they might like, try to make amends, but it's like people don't forget the past. It's hard. Well, and it'd be one thing if amends meant anything, but it's like, you know, this person we're talking about will go on to be a shitty person. Like I've in recent years, um, I've had this guy hit up my bandmates to try and get on shows with us because he'll see that, Oh, like you guys are doing okay. And my bandmates know, you know, but in the same respect, we've got screenshots from other people of, you know, Facebook conversations, private messaging, where he's like, why are you liking their posts? It's okay, like, yeah, that's the last thing I heard about him doing, though. Like, like what oh, my God, dude. Like, who has the fucking time for that? Like, you're a psycho. You know? But I, honestly, like, I'm, I'm with you, Ed. Like, I don't have a problem with this person. I just don't want him around. I don't have a problem. I don't have, like, that sounds funny, but it's the truth. Like, I don't have a problem. Like, there's no rent space taken up in my fucking head with thoughts of this fucking dude. I just don't, like... As far as like playing shows, being on the same bill, we've turned down shows because they were on them. Like, and nothing against his bandmates. I don't know him. I don't know his bandmates. They might be good guys. I know one guy that turned out to be a, a good buddy of mine. He's a, a fellow guitar player that you might know, but and he was in a band with him, and it's like he's a good guy. So his bandmates are probably good dudes, but they're just right. in the wrong fucking boat, you know. Sure. You know, and, and that sucks for them. Yeah. And this can apply to like a, anybody in like another area. It's like you might have the same kind of situation. It's like that certain individual just rubs everybody wrong, no matter how much they can. It claim. is the core of the dark side of the scene. <laughs> yeah. There's always one fuck stick out there that ruins it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely is. There's actually a few around here that I won't name, but. Ed knows one of them that I've yeah. ran it about many, many a times to him. But yeah. And I, I feel like there's probably hope for maybe that person. They'll grow up a little more. We hope. I would think. I don't know. I mean, in, in this case, there's already grown enough. Circle back around to the show trading topic a little bit ago. Um, this fuck stick that I'm referring to. <laughs> asked to be on a show that I had booked and I didn't know who they were, anything about them. I'm like, sure, why not? So when we proceeded to play, they flipped us off the entire fucking time we were playing. Jesus. That's because, because you traded a show with them. I don't know what the offer was. Like we only played for like, maybe I think we only played three songs. It was our first comeback show. We hadn't played in like six years. That's when the band, like, we went on our separate ways in 2009, 2010, and we got back together in 2016, and it was our first show back. And we only had a couple songs. We were like, we're going to open this bitch up, let everyone else play. It was a Halloween show. And I didn't know who this guy was, and he messaged me, and he's like, hey, my band wants to play. Is it cool? I was like, right on, dude. That's cool, yeah. I didn't really need an extra band on there. I already had it full, but I'm not a dick. I'm always going to try and help somebody out. And they repaid me by fucking coming out there and watching us by holding the middle finger up as we're playing. I was like, the fuck is this dude's problem? 
Yeah. And anytime I've encountered him since then, it's been worse and worse and worse. He's just a fuck stick. And there's no other way to describe him. So mm. I'm sure he's probably out there too. And he might end up listening to this. And you know what? If you're out there listening and you know who you are, fuck stick, come on to the show. I would like to talk to you and I will keep it a hundred percent civil. <laughs> right. I don't have problem. If that's the same person, I don't have a problem with him either. I don't understand why, you know, it's not my know. fault. I don't know. I, you know, I, try, like I said, I'm, Usually pretty cool with everybody. I just don't I, know I try to be, but when you're a right. fucking douchebag, I'm not gonna fucking be nice if you're a douchebag to me first. Especially right. when I was nice to you in the first place. I feel like it's just like an inner primordial thing for some band band or band members to hate other bands immediately. Like it's a threat. I'm like, again, when it comes back to it, we lost a couple years of shows. Like just put your mindset into that. What if it happened again? We wouldn't have anything. You, your rock star ego is now you're just sitting on your couch being depressed. How, how did, rock star is that? Didn't What's he do that? something similar to you guys? He didn't flip you off, but didn't you like book him on a show that he never got you back? Uh, that's how I initially found like a friend knew of the, that, that, that band. And then I put them on and they did pretty good. But sometimes it's like, you know, it's like, you want, I'm not expecting anybody to do a favor, but I believe I helped them out twice. And at no, some point it's not, I don't expect it back, but I don't expect you to show up and be a dickhead. Right. There's gotta be some sort of maturity professionalism amongst people. When you come there and act like a complete fucking tool, why should anyone give a shit about you? Yeah. I, I think what it comes down to is, um, there's just so much like high school type competition and like anytime I've been a part of a healthy scene, like I feel like now, like Saturday was a perfect example. Like all those bands had mutual respect. We had a great time. Everybody interacted. There's no fucking competition there. You know, nobody did better than anybody else. Everybody had a good time, but there's more immature members of the scene where they got to be like, oh man, we're fucking better than them, or we <laughs> we, blew, we blew them off the stage, yeah. or shit like that, man. Like that's I I don't know. How was oh by the way, how was those tamales? I never I I forgot if those were good or not at that place. No, they were good. They're the smaller ones, but they were really. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, watched... What was funny is like my buddy lives over there, and he was asking. I said, hey, is there a place within walking distance to get something to eat? And they're like, uh. His wife, first thing she said, there's a uh, universal tamale. I was like, fucking stop right there. You have to stay no more. Like, yeah. if they got tamales, I'm fucking there. Yeah, we got a couple Mexican restaurants, and I was busy pacing around. Some people think that, like, me pacing around and being stuck up, I don't know why. It's like a nervous tick I have. Always, like, <laughs> wondering if things are going to go wrong. So I don't sit in one place. So it's just me. And, like, I, I know, like, I feel like, you know, but band members, they come across as being dicks, but usually either they have like weird social anxieties. And I mean, some, I, I guess it depends on the person, but it's like some well, people I think that's how you be, like most people come become musicians because of that type of shit. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's, already built show, in. it's already built in the first show we played with you. I think you were in the quote unquote backstage area with one of our guitar players. And you guys, you tried to talk to him about his Kiesel and, uh, you talk to one person in the band that doesn't talk. <laughs> so I know I thought he was being. Their... I, 
I thought he was being like a jerk, but like I guess he's just kind of quiet. And then, like I think he talked to me later on. And then when we played that show, he was more talkative to me. It's like, and I think like the nicest message he said, he was saying, "Do you play Dungeons and Dragons, Ed?" I know like, I do not. Maybe <laughs> assuming like he wanted me to play with him, but if I if I would, I'd probably play with him. You know, but I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. But I don't like, know if yeah. he, I don't know if he plays at it. I know if it's the same one you're thinking of, but uh, he's World of Warcraft. Oh, that was that's what it is. I don't. I can see that's how dumb I am. I don't know. But I yeah, like, I, I remember <laughs> talking to him, and he was like kind of standoffish. But I think that's just how he was. No, I got, I got. He's the very feel. quiet, dude. Yeah, which is kind of hard for me to be quiet. Like I wish I were that had that personality. A lot of my band is that way, though. Like I'm not even really an outgoing person. I'll talk to people, but I don't go out of my way to make conversations. So if everyone thinks I'm an asshole because I don't go around and strike up conversations, it's, it's I was a, like, I'm just more of a that same person. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not like we can help it. Like when some days I don't want to talk to anybody, it's not their fault. It's just I'm nervous. I just look like I'm always mad. So everyone thinks I'm a dickhead because I look mad. I was like, no, I just have resting same, bitch face. Same. Oh, that's, that, that's me too. We all, suffer, <laughs> we all suffer from that. And it's like, it's just another thing. Some people should understand that we have our own little social thing going on. We're not being dicks. <laughs> I do. I have it going on in band life. I have it going on in work life. I have it going on in home life. Like everyone, what's wrong? Nothing. What? You look mad. No. Nope. <laughs> just my I face. Get, I get that all the time at work. What are you doing? I'm just thinking. It's. I know my face is stupid, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thumbs up. Yeah, smile. <laughs> Fake smile. Like that Rambo meme where he's all fucking covered in dirt with a thumbs up. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so, any other crazy things, Steve? Um, man, I'll do like three real quick things. So, sure, sure. We can wrap this up. I don't know what your, you guys is if you guys do short episodes or. They've been happened. averaging about an hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half. We've been at an hour and a half right now, so I figured it's about all a good right. time to start winding down. Okay, so I'll do like three real quick things because yeah. they're kind of kind of funny and kind of uh, apropos for the the title. But um, I was in a band in the mid to late '90s called Forum Shiver, and we ended up um, getting to play at Rainbow Farm. And if um, nobody knows what Rainbow Farm is or what the ultimate demise of Rainbow Farm was, um, I'll let you look that up because it's uh, pretty spooky stuff and. Probably don't have a lot of time to go into it here, but uh, basically up in Vandalia, there was uh, a farm and a couple guys ran it and they put on twice a year, they would do concerts and they ultimately ended up getting quite a few big names, but um, we lucked out and ended up getting to play there. And at the time, um, the first time we played there, we had put out like one EP and there was a song on it called Oklahoma City because uh, the Oklahoma City bombings had just happened. And hmm. Timothy McVeigh had been traced back to uh, being a member of the Michigan Mich- uh, Michigan militia. So, um, so we get there, and um, they've got members of the Michigan militia doing security, <laughs> which was an interesting prospect. But nothing against those guys or whatnot. Hmm. But. Uh, we there the way it was set up like you kind of came in the back gate and then you kind of went uphill to where it was behind the stage 
where all the artists kind of set up and whatnot. So you could kind of see down to the main gate and I'll, it would make the hairs of my arms stand up to this day. But I remember, um, and this was kind of a, what do we say? Marijuana festival. So mm. not terribly legal, but the, it was private property. So the guy did what he did. But uh, I remember being up behind in the backstage area and looking down and remember hearing some chatter over the radio, watching a cop pull up to the main gate and like four ATVs just converge <laughs> onto the main gate. And the first time I ever really saw a cop turn around and leave, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, those guys are pretty notorious right about now. So, yeah, that was... uh. That was a little dark at the time, but it's it's a fun story to tell because, I mean, you know, if you know what went on to happen there and whatnot, but... Um, I, I've only been to Rainbow Farms one time, and it was like after hours, and I was hanging out with this girl, and we got Taco Bell, and for some odd reason, she got really shitty with the person at the drive-thru, and I had like the uh, Supreme Nachos. I know it's funny that I'm to the detail, but Whatever was in the Supreme Nachos made me like have a terrible stomach ache. And then we tried to get alcohol and I drank vodka and I ended up throwing up in that Rainbow Farms field at a moonlight. <laughs> I don't, and I, that's all I specifically remember just throwing up in the field in the dark. Good I, I think, I think we were, I don't know why we were just hanging out there. I guess there's people that's hanging out there constantly, but that's the only time I've ever been there. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So an, another story that, uh, revolves around Rainbow Farm was um, <laughs> we so the the band I was in that got to play there we played a couple years in a row and um, it was a three piece and the singer so it was uh, everybody sang so drummer guitar player bass player and we shared vocals um, the bass player and we shared vocals equally I'll put it that way so something happened to the bass player where he went to rehab. And this was back in the nineties. Like there wasn't a lot of, you know, you didn't have cell phones for the most part, not a lot of uh, online uh, presence where you could communicate. So all we knew was this dude went to rehab. And um, so we had this buddy that played bass. So what me and the drummer did was uh, split up the vocals for the songs that me and him sang, and then just had this guy come in and play bass. And we rehearsed the shit out of it because that was one of our biggest shows of the year was playing at Rainbow Farms. Hmm. So basically, and just to explain if, you know, for people who hadn't been there, like they basically had like a line of trees and it was like a, an oval bowl and the stage jutted out of this line of trees and it just kind of dropped down and it was um, just humongous. And they'd have 10,000 people there over a weekend. So obviously it was one of our biggest, bigger shows. So we rehearsed the shit out of it with this uh, other bass player to play the show and, you know, tailored the, the set list to me and the drummer's vocals. And we get there and we're setting up and the other guy just fucking shows up like ready to play the show. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? Like he couldn't, you know, he wasn't allowed to make phone calls or whatever while he was in rehab or whatever. So that's more of a like a shitty bandmate story. But, you know, it still revolves around the whole Rainbow Farm thing. 
rock and roll. It just shows yeah. up for the gig. Yeah, shows up for the gig. You know, <laughs> it, and the the bad part about it was is after the fact, like um, he kind of wanted to keep the bass player because it took the pressure off him not having to play bass anymore. And I was like, eh, it did something to the the chemistry of the whole thing. And I like we ultimately had to kick the other guy out because I was like, it just didn't work anymore. But mm. So I feel bad for that guy, but not too terribly bad. But <laughs> so um, this last story is kind of a funny one, not terribly dark, but um, me and uh, my drummer of the band that was uh, sponsored by Jägermeister went out to the Nam show um, in California. Nice. And uh, our uh, tour manager, for the Jägermeister tours out there. And the first thing he did when we saw him was give us this like very large bottle of Jägermeister and me and the drummer weren't huge drinkers at all. And I mean, even as much of a drinker as I am, I'm not drinking that shit. Like <laughs> it fucking awful. I don't like it. And the worst part about being a Jägermeister sponsored band was people thought you wanted that. So if they bought you a shot, they bought you that. And it was not a fan. Is that part of, I've never been a Jaeger bound. Is that they they give you that shit for free? I mean, they just give you some because you're part of the roster. Um, they wouldn't necessarily give us the actual alcohol. Like if we were like doing shows and stuff, we would definitely like get it then. But what they they would, I mean, it was more like giving us shows, and then they would send us merch to give away, like Jaeger yeah. touring. You're basically a, a, a t-shirt company for them. I get it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. So by the end of the, the NAM show, which was, you know, a couple days long, we still had the majority of this um, bottle of Jägermeister. So we go uh, to LAX to fly back home. And for anybody who's been to LAX, you go up, I mean, 10 years ago, it was like this. So I don't know what it is now, but you go up these big flight of steps and then you're standing there um, waiting to go through security. Um and unbeknownst to me, behind us were like the VIP stairs for, you know, obviously known people that would, you know, have their own private lounge or whatever. Mm. So we go up the stairs and we're like, oh, fuck, we still got most of this Bali Jägermeister. So we're sitting there passing it back and forth before we go through um, security the next thing we know there's like five or six cops standing around us and they're like we're like what the fuck they're like you guys you can't do that we're like do what and they're like you can't drink in the airport i'm like what the fuck are you talking about so um basically we got out of it by saying oh we're from indiana we didn't know and they made us pour it out and whatnot whatnot but um while we're standing there and they're trying to figure out what to do with us <laughs> hand to god Cheech Marin walks by, looks at us, looks at the bottle, and he's like, I don't know what the Jägermeister guys, and then just walks off. And I was like, holy fuck, dude. Like, we're sitting here surrounded by cops. We can't, like, go talk to him or get an autograph or get a oh, picture or anything man. like that. But it was pretty classic. That's pretty cool. <laughs> How short was he? He, I mean, I, I'm short, so I can't say much, but he's he's maybe, <laughs> a, little short, maybe a little shorter than me. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of all things you meet people. Cool. So, also, I want to ask you. So, how's your podcast going? I, I I guess I forgot you kind of have one, but you don't Mm -hmm. advertisement as 
I don't maybe I don't pay attention. You don't advertise as much as I thought because I forgot you actually had one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we did um we actually did like a seven episode thing with the guy that used to manage that forum shiver band about uh Rainbow Farm. We had some people on that uh. are still doing it and whatnot, but that was the last thing we did, which ended uh November of last year, I want to say. Okay. So um, but I'm getting ready to gear back up. Um, because, uh, God, what were we going to do? There's a couple things, um, a couple ideas I had. Well, one of the things is, is, um, Chokesetter's going on tour. We got like 10 dates in May. So I want to kind of do like a, you know, some shit for that, you know, as far as like a a road edition or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, at a couple, oh, I know what it was. Um, we're doing that show. In, on April 1st at Martha's Midway with um, a buddy of mine that used to be in a band called Morello, who was uh, used to tour the United States there from Ireland. But he was the one non-Irish guy in a band of all Irish guys. Uh, his name's Alex. He was from Spain and he's got a new band. And they're coming to Martha's Midway on April 1st and Chokesetter's playing with them. And I was going to have him on. So that's the impetus to do the fourth season. So nice. Yep. Nice, nice. But well, still you- doing it rather intermittently. Mm. Shit musicians say for anybody who wants to look it up. What we've been trying to do as we close out these episodes is we usually have the guests talk about their band a little bit. Like what's, what's the newest release they had. And we've been trying to play a song at the end. So if you've got a specific song you would want us to include, you can send that over to me and I'll add it here at the end of the episode for anyone out there listening. They can get a chance to listen to your band. Yeah, sure. So um, we uh, we got picked up by Pavement Entertainment along about November last year, and they've been pushing, and this is their pick. Um, we've been trying to get a new album together, but we've um, got kind of caught in a cycle of... Um, promoting the old album and remixing it and re-putting it out um, because that's what they wanted to do. But uh, the song that we're pushing that we ended up doing a video for is called Motor Boater. And uh, so, yeah, we could play that one. But um, what's going on with the band? Like, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, Pavement, they've been shooting us a lot of tour offers. Um, We had two dates come up for shows in California that we basically booked a tour around. So um, I can't give you the dates off the top of my head. I'd have to open my phone here, but um, at the end of May, um, the first date was opening for sponge in at the house of blues in Anaheim. Nice. And the next day we're opening for Doyle, the guitar player for the misfits at the Whiskey Go-Go in L.A., which is kind of a bucket list venue for me. So we were leaving on the 18th, and we're going to do about three dates on the way out, starting with Chicago. Um, and then I think the next one after that's Lincoln, Nebraska, so that'll be a little bit of a haul. But um, the California dates are Wednesday, Thursday, I think we're doing Phoenix on a Friday, trying to make it to Houston, or not Houston, Austin by Saturday, 
and then ending the tour in New Orleans on that Sunday and then coming home. So nice. Oh yeah. Ten, ten days in all. So I'm oh. obviously leaving a few things out. And then at the end of April, we're doing four dates with Derek Randall, who our bass player just happens to be his drummer. But uh those should be those are getting us out uh like uh in a couple cities we haven't done before like uh Pekin, Illinois, Detroit, uh Michigan, Lansing, Michigan. So just trying mm. to branch out. Oh yeah. Nice. So like is I guess we're probably not supposed to discuss that. So is a being on a, a label treating you good? Because you know I hear all sorts of nightmare stories about being on a label. Dude, so far, like it's been great. Like they've uh pushed so much traffic to like our Spotify, our uh YouTube, our Facebook, and um just the the tour offers that come in are are great. Some I mean there's like we talked about buy-ons a little bit earlier for people who don't know what it, that is, is you basically pay to be on a tour. So there's some of those that we can't do um, due to financial, you know, obligations, but mm. um, yeah, like we could have potentially been on tour in Europe with Wasp, but that was a $25,000 buy on. So, oh. and that's on the higher end of buy on stuff. So right. just as a, as an example, like yeah. we all would have fucking absolutely loved to do that, but yeah, we couldn't come up with that. You know, I I would take a week off just to be a roadie, but that'd be it. You know, it was like twenty fucking dates. That would have been like the I'd have been mind. permagrin, you know. Right. But That's yeah. the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is when it comes to like going out on these tours and everything that you most of these bands end up having to pay while they're touring. They're not making all the money like everyone thinks. There's no money in fucking metal. I've said it before. Well, and I'll say it again. Like unless you're like a super super famous band. It's well, and even the one, even the one in the stuff we're doing in May, like we're everybody's taking time off work. We that's, I mean, we're counting on merch sales to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like like the two dates they gave us that was through the label, so that was nothing we had to buy onto or anything. But um, yeah, that there's no. <laughs> you're spending money you are not fucking making money <laughs> at this point you know yeah. yeah definitely well steve i definitely appreciate you coming out here talking with me and ed it's definitely nice to hear from someone who's also experiences plus you've got a lot more experience than i do so hearing the stories and especially with the touring and all that stuff dealing with labels that's stuff that i've never had to deal with so Think that well, I appreciate some... you guys having us, man, or having me, anyways. Yeah, it definitely brings some light to some of the topics that I think a lot of the average person has no idea what goes on. Right. Well, hopefully, I'll give you a few good ones. So, nah, <laughs> definitely appreciate nah, it. Yeah, I look at it as like educational experience for a lot of people that need to know some of these things, especially like this, the off topics we were talking about, you know, being a decent just being a decent person and, and a sea of bands, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like to, to, to just to put a fucking exclamation point on like the whole being a good person, like, you know, it used to be back in the day where, you know, you, you heard all these folklore about these metal bands and just being fucking pirates going from state, you know, town to town, 
banging chicks and fucking drinking the bar dry and doing all this shit it, dude nowadays with social media like you you know i'm married so i can't do that anyways but it's like you don't more so going back to like being a good person like you want to be out there and be cool to everybody and meet everybody and you know whether it's in your own scene or whether it's traveling across the country or across the world you know yeah i'm sure yep. you know, not to shoot fucking rainbows out my butthole at the end but you know, <laughs> that's what know. it comes down to is just try to be a good fucking person i think that's a lesson that everyone can take to heart is stop being a dick be a good person <laughs> exactly yep. All right, Steve, we're going to end this one here. So, again, thanks for coming out and talking with us tonight. Ed, thanks for sticking out here with me tonight, too. So Yeah. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. The band is called Choke Setter. The song is called Motor Motor. Demon.